0: This is episode 313 and today we're chatting about stem cells. Now, I knew nothing about stem cells before today's recording. So I asked very simple questions and I really didn't know how this related to anything. But lo and behold, stem cells are super important and the ketogenic diet really helps to activate these stem cells. And we're talking about how, what, why and the importance of stem cells. So a really interesting conversation. I was not planning on this and it just went in a completely different direction, which I was really, really happy about. So I really hope you enjoy chatting about it. Aging, uh, lab markers, uh, to talk about inflammation, fasting mimicking, autophagy. Oh, it's good stuff. Our guest today is Dana Alia, who's an integrative and functional nutrition doctor and registered and licensed dietitian nutritionist with over 25 years of clinical experience. She is the owner of Fusion Integrative Health and Wellness, the author of Stem Cell Activation Diet and the Sugar Detox Diet. Dr. Dana regularly speaks to both lay and professional audiences, is an IFNA support team member and has been featured and authored numerous articles for Natural Awakenings magazine and LNP. Dr. Elia enjoys writing about diet and nutrition and sees the process as a means to help people identify the underlying root causes of the barriers preventing them from optimal wellness. She is the author of The Stem Cell Activation Diet and the upcoming 2021 book entitled the sugar detox diet for 50 plus in her free time she loves hiking camping at the delaware seashore traveling with her husband james scuba diving or going on an adventure with her rescue lab champ I feel like Dr. Elia and I would be best friends if we lived in the same town. <laughs> if you have questions about today's content, you can go to healthfullpursuit.com slash contact and ask me. You can catch up on previous podcast episodes and notes from today's show by going to ketodietpodcast.com. I will include links to Dr. Dana's uh, resources and books and all those things in the show notes today. Okay, let's do this thing. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel, and you're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've put together a free 21-page guide on achieving weight loss on your keto diet if nothing is working as a little thank you for being here today. Grab your free guide at ketoforwomen.com to get the steps you need to overcome the hurdles standing in your way. Hello, Dr. Dana. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, of course. So um, I've already done your professional bio, but I love in your words to tell us who you are, what you do, uh, what you're most passionate about, and just give us a taste of, of your work. So I'm most passionate about
1: nutrition. I've been an integrative and functional dietitian nutritionist for 25 years. I'm also a doctor of clinical nutrition. Um, most passionate about helping people live healthier, better lives, I went into the field of nutrition because of my own struggles with my weight and with autoimmune disease. So originally I wanted to go pre-med, but by the time I was ready to enter college, I had recognized that you know, living essentially in a primary care physician's office and um, having visited so many specialists, for my own healthcare, I recognized that something had to give, something had to be different, uh, and thus I switched gears and went into nutrition, and thus have been my own progressive case study as time has gone on over the last 25 years.
0: That's amazing, and what autoimmune conditions did you have or do you still have that you live with? So I have rheumatoid arthritis. When I was in my early 20s, they also
1: uh, tried to slap on a lupus Diagnosis and fibromyalgia. However, I, I don't personally identify with those diagnoses. The the RA yes is definitely the most present. Um, but in terms of laboratory markers and tests for lupus for SLE, they've been you know kind of borderline. Um, so predominantly, it's it's rheumatoid arthritis that I've struggled with since childhood.
0: And how does your personal experience kind of inform? The work that you've done and kind of the books that you've written. And I can't wait to talk about each one of them. And how how has that informed the work that you do today? Because
1: literally nutrition has been what has kept me out of the doctor's office for years and off of medication. So when I was first diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis as a child, that began the downward spiral of lots of blood tests, lots of doctor's visits, and a whole plethora of different medications, um, many of which had more side effects than they did benefits. And throughout, you know, elementary school and high school, it was this, you know, constant cascade of just weight-related issues because of the high doses of steroids that I was on, IBS. Um, and stomach issues because of, you know, lingering and continual trials of various NSAIDs. Also, I had had recurrent bouts of strep infections, so I had the lingering impact of, you know, multiple years of multiple doses of antibiotics. Um, so from a functional medicine, in particular, a functional nutrition perspective, I literally was the perfect case study to see how, you know, food as medicine and using the power of nutrition really can, can heal the body um, and help to maintain your health status. So, you know, I've been off of all of my RA meds for close to 20 years. And it's really, you know, diet and lifestyle that keeps me healthy and keeps me out of the conventional medicine offices.
0: Yeah, that's so great. Congratulations. And to really inform yourself also is such a huge, huge deal, I'm sure, on a daily basis. You probably don't even think anymore of boop, 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 gotta do this to keep this going. And that's that's just really cool. And Something that you said too, I think a lot of people, it's this delicate balance with medication and there are some medications that are so, so, so required, especially when you're in the heat of the moment and you just need those things. But I think a lot of us don't realize the effects that NSAIDs or SSRIs or all sorts of things can have long-term on things other than the condition. Can you talk a little bit about that and what you see um, in your practice today? And I I certainly don't want to give the impression that I'm, you know,
1: anti-medication. What I am in favor of is really narrowing down and drilling down to the root causes of the the health issues that somebody is dealing with. And, you know, oftentimes medications can just be more of a band-aid, treating the symptoms rather than, than treating the root causes. So that's where, you know, you kind of walk this fine line between, you know, is treating the symptoms is there a greater benefit with that but well, you know what are some of the potential risks uh, of side effects so that's where i think that you can definitely marry the two that you know if, if your healthcare practitioner is recommending a, a medication course or a pharmaceutical treatment and you want to to begin with that, that's fine. But you know, don't forget to still explore what are some of the root causes. Cause personally I feel there's always the hope. And you know, nutrition and healthcare needs to be highly personalized and individualized. But for myself and my patients that I work with, I always encourage them to, you know, continue to look for how can we support the body and support healing so that way there's the possibility of potentially reducing their reliance upon pharmacological agents or you know in in cases helping them to eventually no longer need those medications so Mm. um, in my case you know the the NSAIDs the antibiotics they had wreaked a lot of havoc on my microbiome so you know my whole immune system my gut microbiome was a mess and that just led to you know weight related issues joint pain you know exacerbating the inflammatory process also wreaking havoc on on my adrenals and my thyroid so it just you know set in motion that that downward spiral
0: CBD oil. I'm sure you've heard of it and maybe you've been a bit overwhelmed by the options or you're concerned it'll get you high. Now my family's been supplementing with CBD oil going on four years and I'm impressed with the results and no, we don't get high on this stuff and neither will you. Why do we use CBD oil? Well, it's a powerful anti-inflammatory, reducing joint issues, inflammatory acne, and gut distress. Eaton Hemp makes the highest possible quality CBD oil, are transparent in their production processes, and are one of the first USDA-certified organic hemp companies, ensuring all you're getting in your oil is CBD not pesticides. Blah, no thank you. Eaton Hemp uses hemp seed oil as a carrier for the CBD, which ensures higher potency, effectiveness, terpenes, and cannabinoids. These are all good things. Now, what I love most about Eaton Hemp is they stand behind their product. If you buy it and you don't like it, or you don't get the results that you're looking for, they will give you a refund. All you got to do is use it in the first 30 days and let them know in those first 30 days, no questions asked, they will give you your money back. Now, they put together a super special offer for our listeners. If you go to eatonhemp.com slash keto diet and use the code keto diet, you will get 20% off all of their CBD products. Again, that's code keto diet at eatonhemp.com slash keto diet for your 20% off and your 30 day money back guarantee. And at what point in your process of education and healing your body, were you like stem cells? there's something to this, like, what was that transition like for you?
1: So I've always been really interested in, you know, some of the more, you know, left of center type of of therapies and research. So I had been following the the research on, on fasting and fasting mimicking diets and stem cell and stem cell activation was always really fascinated by it. Then I had gotten to the point where personally I had an injury to my left elbow, my lateral epicondyle, as most people consider, you know, tennis elbow, um, and nutrition, physical therapy, you know, uh, supportive supplementation. After nine months of that, I really wasn't seeing any improvement. And I was actually working with a more integrative minded physical therapist, and we both sat down, and he said, you know, I think you really need to. To spend some time with the orthopedist. So I went through that whole process, had an MRI, which my orthopedist had labeled an across the room MRI that he was able to tell from across the room, looking at the film, just how damaged the tendon was and that surgery um, was not going to be avoided at all. So that's where we started having the discussion about stem cell injections or or PRP, um, what were some of the options there. I do have a a history of having had a rare sarcoma. So I did reach out to my oncologist about, you know, the, the potential for stem cell therapies to repair that tendon. And unfortunately, because of how rare of the sarcoma that I had, there's absolutely no data whatsoever on, you know, injectable stem cells. And From a risk benefit ratio, you know, lateral epicondyle surgeries are a dime of a dozen, you know, very little risk, very high rewards as opposed to opting for some sort of injectable stem cell therapy. So, long story short, I opted for the surgery to repair my tendon, but I also was looking at dietary interventions to activate stem cells. So, that's where I did end up. Um, I had already done some fasting mimicking diet. Uh, rounds previously but decided to do another round right before surgery and had some some really interesting results and you know hindsight being 2020 I wish there had been a way to do a, a pre and post fasting mimicking program MRI but you know needless to say the day of surgery in the recovery room the orthopedist came out and said can't exactly explain this. You still needed surgery, but I don't understand how there was such a marked difference in your tendon from just two weeks ago. And I said, Well, let me tell you what I did. And it was amazing just, you know, how quickly a round of a stem cell activating fasting mimicking protocol had stimulated some healing in the tendon. So, you know, it just further cemented the, the power that, that diet lifestyle and nutrition can play on healing the body. Fast forward, another year or so later came the opportunity from a publisher to write a book. And there was a couple of different topics that they were interested in. And one of them was on activating stem cells. So I said, yeah, that I'm definitely interested in. I've followed the research. You know, I've lived it myself. I've experimented on myself. I always have. I, I will rarely recommend a supplement or a diet or anything to a client or a patient unless I've you know tried it myself. Even as an intern, a dietetic intern years ago. I was the one who was trying all of the the supplements that we were asking patients to drink. So I wouldn't expect somebody else to follow something that I couldn't or wouldn't follow or do myself. But long story short, that conversation ended up in the book. (laughs) So, So, Stem Cell Activation Diet. And, you know, basically it was written to help people who obviously can't afford or may not be candidates for injectable stem cell therapies, how can you use your innate power within your body to activate the stem cells that that are still residing within you and really harness them to allow for, for healing and to reduce inflammation, to increase your longevity, to promote healthy aging, and overall, help to to optimize your stem cells and live a healthier life.
0: Wow. Wow. Okay. So for those that don't there. know, oh my goodness, this is so exciting. So for those that don't know, what is the role of a stem cell? Like you said, to heal, reduce inflammation, increase longevity, like does everyone have stem cells and why aren't they doing these things on their own? Yep. We do have, you know, stem cells within our body. And the beauty is,
1: you know, stem cells are our body's miracle workers because they can give rise to any type of cell in the body. So, you know, that's the beauty of the stem cells. They can ultimately become whatever type of cell the body needs. And that's, you know, that's part of the aging process is, you know, as we begin to age, your stem cells kind of, you know, start to slack on the job. And that's where as part of, you know, supporting healthy aging and longevity and, and even, you know, reducing pain, helping to heal the body. We want to kind of give them a nudge, you know, wake them up, encourage them to, you know, um, do their job and to activate. And that's, that's how um, you can support
0: them through your diet. So I'm assuming, I'm assuming that what I'm hearing from you is that we all have stem cells, but they may not be activated or there may not be a ton of them because of our diet lifestyle, that all the things we're doing to kind of stop them from doing the work that they can do.
1: Well, your, your diet and lifestyle definitely can have a negative impact on the action of, of your stem cells environmental exposures as well, you know, essentially like that standard American diet and standard American lifestyle, you're really not supporting your stem cells to do their optimal job. On the flip side, we can, you know, take some steps to eat a healthier diet, exercise, and use, you know, certain types of dieting styles or dieting regimens to really kick those stem cells into high gear, to encourage them to be activated and to actually encourage a process in the body called autophagy, which is really, you know, kind of like spring cleaning of cells in the body. So autophagy is really to encourage older cells that are kind of on their way out, it really encourages them to to die off, allow your body to clear them out and thus bring in newer, younger, healthier cells which is what you want when you're encouraging longevity, healthy aging, and, and trying to heal.
0: Brilliant. And so um, you wrote a whole book about activating these stem cells. Where does, like you mentioned fasting mimicking, how does that come into all of this with activating our stem cells and the ketogenic diet? So there's a couple of ways
1: that we can activate stem cells through diet. The ones that we see most research and uh, supported in the scientific literature is through fasting. So whether you're doing uh, a variety of different fasting programs, and we know fasting means different things to different people, but a 24-hour fast is generally necessary to start activating stem cells for folks that might have been following a, a regular diet. Caloric restriction can also be another method to support and and activate stem cells. Yes, the the ketogenic diet, there's there's evidence supporting the use of of ketosis and being in ketosis and thus a ketogenic diet to support stem cells. But the thing is, I think where folks get uh, a misconception is... You know how long to follow these programs, and you don't want to be in a continual state of stem cell activation because, like most things, too much of a good thing, in turn, ends up being a bad thing. So that's where, when we look at stem cell activating programs, they're meant to be short-term regimens. Not, and then it's how you eat and how you live. After the period of activating stem cells is what really supports the lifespan of those healthier, newer, younger cells that were created as the end result of your stem cell activation program. And that's where a ketogenic diet can definitely be a a long-term sustainable program as long as you're following a healthy keto diet. So, you know, like there's varying degrees of healthfulness for a vegan diet, a, you know, plant-based diet, a paleo diet, whatever diet title or diet style somebody subscribes to, the, the real key is the healthfulness, the quality of the foods that you're eating that are falling under that label that you're identifying with. So... You know, for example, a bag of Lay's potato chips and a can of Diet Coke technically can, you know, constitute a vegan diet. That doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy. Many patients that I've worked with over the years have identified as being vegetarian. And then you look at their food logs and they're really just a starchitarian. There's very little vegetables per se in their food logs. So, you know, whatever diet you identify with, you want to make sure that, that you're following the healthy version of it, not the dirty version.
0: Completely. Yes, 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 yes. To everything <laughs> you just said. And also the, this seems to be a theme with so many of the individuals I'm having on the show this year. And that is too much of a good thing. Doesn't make it a better, better thing. <laughs> right. And I think, you know, too often, you know, as, as health conscious people, we think, well, well, if fasting, twice a week is good for me. Well, then doing 24 hour fasts every other day, forever and ever is a better thing. And I think I see that also in my practice of like, we just get so stuck in our ways that we forget that just like it sounds like stem cell activation, there are seasons for it. And there are seasons that are not for it. And that's what I hear you, you saying also, and it's been a constant theme this year of just, redefining what these things are. And I think it's also important that we define what keto is. And you're so right. I'll never forget the year was 2014. And I was on Instagram looking at things and I saw hashtag keto for the first time. And I was like, what's a keto clicked on that hashtag. And Oh, dear, there was like slim Jims and sour cream and diet Coke. And yeah, it it fits your macros. And that's great. But beyond that, it's the quality and and what these micronutrients, if they're there, <laughs> are doing for your body—it's it's a really really important thing. So I'm really happy that you touched on that also. And you know, and I think that's part of the reason why for the
1: naysayers against keto, you know, because there's been so many adulterations uh, of keto in the media and people doing you know the the dirty keto forms. That gives rise to you know so much negativity about it. And I'm a firm believer that you know there is no one size fits all approach. There's not even a one size fits most when it comes to to, to diet and finding the the diet that fits you best. You know, for my husband and I, we follow drastically different eating styles but we both subscribe to, you know, the the style of diet that supports us best and has us feeling most well. So, you know, fortunately that narrows down to us only having about one meal a day together. So we're not having to cook multiple meals, but, you know, at the end of the day, you really want to explore and experiment with a variety of different style of healthful diets to determine what has you feeling most well you know keto can work wonders for a vast number of people but there's also a significant number of folks that you know for one reason or another keto may not necessarily work best with their genetics and their metabolism and their current state of affairs that doesn't mean that you know keto doesn't work or it's a bad diet It may not just, it's just not the right fit for that particular individual. So, you know, that's where I encourage clients, don't be afraid to be your own Sherlock Holmes and to, you know, explore and learn what works best for your body. You know, we've spent so much time not necessarily honing in on the signals that our bodies try to give us when things aren't working well, you know, we need to listen more clearly and be more mindful of what signals our body is trying to tell us. So, and that can help you to determine what style of diet is going to be best. And it may not necessarily fit into one particular bucket of, you know, paleo, primal, keto, Mediterranean, whatever label you want to give it. It's, it's not about labels. It's about optimizing what works best for you.
0: Yeah, and that process is a very humbling process and requires (laughs) you to drop your pride also it's like, it's not technically keto, but it's like as keto as I can be right now. And like, maybe that's okay. (laughs) You know, I always say I'll never forget, I got attacked when I went from vegan um, over to more of a ketogenic, well, a ketogenic diet. Um, Somebody said, Yeah, yeah, but you can't have collagen on on uh, as a vegan. And I was like, vegan is just a word. (laughs) It's just a word that we added a bunch of meanings to. But like, ultimately, you kind of got to drop your pride, get humble and make adjustments is what I'm hearing you say to, to benefit your body. And and it's always going to be something a little bit different. Like the eating style that we had three years ago is going to be very different than the one we had 10 years ago, Absolutely. which is going to be different than one that I'm going to need in a year as as our body is changing.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the type of diet that I follow today is nowhere near the style of diet that I was following 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is a, a continual evolutionary process that, you know, as, as I get older, and as my body has changed, I've needed to make adjustments to, you know, my workouts, the type of food I eat, the timing of, of my meals, my supplements, you know, that's Think of it as as we change our wardrobe by the seasons, we should be mindful of how we're changing our our diet And, and even if you are using supportive supplementation under the guidance of a clinician, you know, you want to address that too, you don't want to, you know, just
0: stay status quo. keto flu, impossible fasting symptoms that stop you mid fast cravings at any hour of the day or feeling off after a sweaty workout. These are some of the signs that you're low in electrolytes. When I first started keto, I made all of the mistakes. One of the biggest ones was not supplementing with electrolytes. And still seven years into keto, I often forget how essential electrolytes are. Honestly, it's easy to forget to take electrolytes because well, a lot of them don't taste very good or work very well. Enter Element, the most delicious, well-balanced electrolyte powder I've personally tried like ever. Add to water and enjoy any time of day. These electrolytes are salty as they should be, quenching your thirst and hitting the spot. And the best part... When you head to drinklmnt.com slash kdp, you'll receive a free Element sample pack. You only pay $5 for shipping. The sample pack includes eight packets of Element. That includes two citrus, two raspberry, two orange, and two raw unflavored. Go to drinklmnt.com slash kdp forward slash KDP for your free sample pack. I love Element, and I really think you're going to too. Again, that's drinkelement.com forward slash KDP to get your free sample pack. And if you don't love it, they will refund your $5, no questions asked. You mentioned autophagy a little while ago, and this is like, maybe you know, maybe you don't. This question always comes up when we talk autophagy and a and a ketogenic diet does it matter if you've been on keto and does autophagy take like shorter of a time to start working because we're already in a ketogenic diet or the two related or not? What have you seen in your research as it results or as it relates to I'm on a ketogenic diet, I want to increase autophagy. Studies say it's going to take about 24 hours, but does it really take that long if we're already keto? Do you know? So, I,
1: you know, can vary by the individual. So you getting into Ketosis is also part of the process that that stimulates autophagy, but for people who have been, you know, long-term keto dieters, that doesn't necessarily mean that you know, as long as you're in ketosis, you're going to be having this this constant autophagy. You don't want that to happen either, you know. <laughs> so if you're are if you've already been in ketosis, you can still support autophagy by adding in the additional layers that we know will you know, stimulate stem cell. And that's where layering in a, a level of, of a fast, whether it's a time-restricted feeding or maybe even a 24-hour fast will help to, to kick that up. We know caloric restriction also helps. So you may need to utilize a blend of you know fast caloric restriction to also support the degree of ketosis that you're in. So, and I think for for followers of of keto, if you're not measuring your blood ketones, we kind of get lulled into this just assumption, oh, I've been following keto for an extended period of time. You know, I'm only eating X amount of grams of, of net carbs or total carbs, whatever you're choosing to measure. But if you're really not measuring your blood glucose and blood ketones, you're not truly going to be able to tell exactly what degree of ketosis you're in. So you might be making some assumptions and, you know, we know what happens when you assume. So if you're, you know, trying to biohack things as much as possible, you might want to invest in a glucometer that will also measure your ketones. So that way you can also make more informed decisions about how you want to support autophagy and stem cell activation.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. And so let's paint a picture here. So I activate my stem cells. Things are going well. Then what? Do I look younger and do I have less inflammation? <laughs> like, what's the what's the end goal and kind of what can I expect by prioritizing stem cell activation?
1: So when you're whether you're using you know a, a fasting stem cell activating program, a fasting mimicking diet, you know short spurts of high degrees of ketosis, caloric restriction. However, you're activating your stem cells. There are going to be some metrics that can be measured if you you are going to be following up with some laboratory values. So you will see reduction in inflammatory markers, so like C-reactive protein. Um, We'll even see reductions in pro-inflammatory cytokines if you're doing repeated rounds of stem cell activation, and that can vary depending upon what the individual's needs are. So for me personally, I'll do a a round of a fasting mimicking program for stem cells every quarter. So you know, I try to do it roughly three to four times per year, depending upon how the year plays out. This year with all the added stress of COVID, I I did a couple extra (laughs) rounds just because we needed it. But at the end of the day, over time, you will see improvements in the markers that we know contribute negatively to the aging process. So reduction in weight, reduction in LDL levels, reduction in you know, stress hormones. So if you're somebody who's been dealing with you know, overproduction of cortisol, you know, this can also help improve hormonal balance. Inflammation is markedly decreased. We also see improvements in blood glucose levels. So for folks that may be struggling with glucose regulation, if you are someone who's already diagnosed with, with diabetes, you know, that, that's a whole separate conversation about whether or not a fasting mimicking program or a stem cell program, you know, you definitely want to do that supervised rather than trying to, you know, fly solo on it. But we know that, you know, cellular maintenance and cellular protection mechanisms are, are increased and your stress resistant responses are also improved. So you know, over the long haul, you're going to to see just, you know, at a cellular level, multiple improvements as a result of your stem cell program.
0: Brilliant. And, and, and healthy aging and longevity. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, <laughs> and that was going to be went. my next question is on aging of like, so you go to the doctor and you're saying, you know, this and that and that is happening. And they're like, welcome to being 50. <laughs> you know, at what point is it okay to accept like I'm aging and things are going to change? And when is it not okay? And it's kind of just like that basket, you know, that every symptom gets thrown into as you know, you're just aging, deal with it. What What has been your experience in your practice as it relates to aging? Well, I, you know, aging is a is a
1: normal, healthy process, as long as it's normal aging but you certainly don't have to throw into the throw in the towel and just you know lie down and and give in there are things that, that we can do to take control over how well our body ages and that's where you know doing the the homework and and really doing the assessment and taking a deep look inside personally and thinking about you know how well am i sleeping how much stress am i exposed to how do i handle the stress in my daily life How active am I? How much movement am I getting? What's the quality of the air that I'm breathing? The quality of the water that I'm drinking? That the quality of the lights and the amount of blue light that I'm being exposed to on a daily basis? And most of all, you know, what am I putting in my body? Because you know, food is so much more than just calories. It's it's information and it's information to your cells. So the quality of the information that you're putting in is directly going to be relational to what your body's putting out so you know if you're putting garbage in you can expect to age gracefully and look like a million bucks if you know if you're eating junk food and frequent frequenting the drive-throughs so you know you can control to a certain extent you know how 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 quickly or how slowly you age so you know, If you want to age more gracefully and healthfully and slowly, then you know, take a look at your lifestyle choices and what are the factors that you do have control over. There may be some that you may not be able to exert a whole lot of control or maybe no control over. And then work with the variables that you can take control over. Mostly, what's passing your lips? <laughs> what, are you, what are you putting into the body? And, you know, focus on your diet and focus on on your lifestyle choices. And, you know, that's where you can really grab hold of the reins of, of, of aging and, you know, kind of pull back and slow
0: things down. I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. Brilliant. And I think this whole conversation lends to where I'd love to take the rest of our interview today, which is sugar. Like if you're still eating sugar, none of this is possible. What has been your experience um, with clients, with yourself when it comes to sugar? Oh my
1: gosh. If you're, if you want to be on the fast track to not aging gracefully, keep eating sugar. I mean, sugar really is one of the most pro-inflammatory foods out there. And sugar is more addictive than, than heroin and cocaine. So that's, but yet it's, it's so prevalent and present in our food supply and we don't do a good enough job of educating people, particularly the younger generations of just how damaging sugar really can be. So, which, you know, my second book is coming out in March and it's aimed specifically towards the 50 and overcrowd, but it's all about sugar detoxing and, and not detoxing in a quick fix, you know, immediately break up with sugar. It's really more about a slow, steady, more gradual, realistic, long-term lifestyle change to remove sugar from the diet and, you know, help to reduce inflammation, lose weight, reduce pain, and support healthier aging for the 50 and overcrowd as, you know, my 50 and over card is coming, not <laughs> so far around the corners. <laughs> but you know, sugar really can make or break the healthfulness uh, of you know your current state of health and wellness. So you know, if you're somebody who is dealing with with weight, with a lot of pain, with a lot of stress, um, with sleep issues and you find yourself gravitating towards sugar, there are some you know, biological mechanisms that are triggering why you might be gravitating more towards sugar. But unfortunately, it's just that vicious cycle. The more sugar that you eat, the more unwell you're going to be. So you know, yes, sugar tastes great, but unfortunately it, it's not gonna support your health or wellness goals. So at the end of the day, we, we kind of have to break up with it.
0: And I'd love to understand why 50 plus for your book and kind of what was the thought around that and how a sugar detox for somebody in their twenties is completely different from somebody in their fifties and why you chose to really um, hyper-focus on that age group.
1: Because, you know, when people hit 50, it's generally a, a time in their lives where they do start taking some inventory or taking stock of, you know, where they are. In their life and starting to think about, you know, the next phase in their life. So, you know, fortunately being in your fifties is not viewed the same way as I viewed it when I was a kid. So, you know, I'm hoping that, that the 50 being the fifties or the new thirties as somebody who's 48, you know, going to be 49 in a, in a few months, you know that being part of that that 50 and over crowd (laughs) is rapidly approaching so that's where you know there, there aren't too many diet books that are specifically targeting that specific age population and you know recognizing that that once you're in your 50s you are starting to you know think about the future and for many 50 and overs, they're thinking about retirement or they're looking at their portfolios or their investments. Well, you know, one of the things you want to do is ensure that you're going to be able to make use of those investments or be able to be healthy to enjoy the retirement. So, you know, now's the time to start taking stock and inventory about where are you, you know, how healthy are you? Where would you like to be? And what are some of the changes that you can make in your diet, in your lifestyle to, you know, not only support being healthy in your 50s, but ensuring you're going to be healthy in your 60s and 70s and 80s and, and so on. So that's why the, the book is geared for the 50 and over crowd. But quite honestly, it, it's applicable to anybody of, of any age. You don't have to only be 50. <laughs> to to purchase the book. Um, it's just that that's the niche audience that we were going for.
0: Yeah. And I think your priorities are completely different. <laughs> just a lot of things are, you know, the time constraints that you have are going to be different. And I find that also with my clients, you know, talking about just basic nutrition for somebody in their fifties is completely different for somebody in their 20s, you know, like the priorities, budget, uh, time constraints, all of that is just, it's a completely different life. And so I love that you've made that focus. And something that you said also, that is very rare. And I just wanted to clarify was that the detox process, gradual this G word that you said gradual, (laughs) can you explain uh, your approach with a gradual detox from sugar and how that may differ from what we see out in the world today? Well, you know, I I think the media
1: has kind of, you know, adulterated the, the term detox and detoxification and to the general public, they associate the term detox with some sort of like, you know, uber restrictive, foul tasting drink that they're going to have to consume for two or three days. And, you know, or they're trying to eat pounds and pounds of kale in their bullet and, and drink all of these, you know, brown, greenish, sludgy type drinks. So, and, you know, for, for the, the basis of the book, sugar detox it's detoxing on multiple levels. So, you know, supporting the organs of detoxification. So when we think of your liver, your kidneys, your intestinal tract, the major organs uh, of detoxification, supporting them, but, you know, we talk about like device detoxes. So kind of weaning ourselves off of how much time we spend on our devices. So that's the kind of approach I've taken with even the sugar detox is, you know, Detoxing in terms of scaling back, slowly reducing the the sources of sugar and the sources of processed carbohydrates, and thus opting for foods that are going to support the organs of detoxification. So it's not like a a three-day or a three-week quick fix. Um, Some of those programs are really great but the types of, of diets and structure of those programs are rarely sustainable for the long haul. And since we're focusing on the 15 overcrowd, I really wanted to empower them with some tools that are going to be realistic and sustainable. So that way, you know, they don't stick with something uber-restricted for three weeks and then, as soon as they're done, they're like, "Oh my gosh, my you know, my 21 days are over. You know, where's where's the beer or where's the candy bar?" It's really giving them a a, a realistic roadmap that they're making those gradual changes to support you know long term permanent change, not just a a quick fix.
0: Is that that answer? There? Yeah, <laughs> completely. And I, I'm really excited. I I have like a soft spot for authors who are like ready to launch their book and I've done it a bunch of times and it's just so exciting. And it's just like, it's, you never know, like you hope that it's going to turn out great, but you don't really know. So you're just really excited. And I'm, I'm really excited for you. It's, it's a huge labor of love to put all your ideas and concepts and everything that you've worked with clients on and everything into a succinct, package where people can actually act on these things. So it's really, I'm really excited for you. And I guess my final question, and probably the most important one that I've asked Dr. Dana is where can people find you? Where can they get your books? How can they connect with you? Tell us all of the things. Well,
1: both books are available uh, on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, you know, online. However, you choose to order your books, the the stem cell book is already, you know, available in print. The sugar detox for fifty plus that will come out in uh, March, but it's already available for for pre order on all of the online book retailers. If people want to reach out to me, they're more than welcome to email me just at drdanaalea at gmail.com. They can also reach out on um, social media. So you can find me on uh, Instagram and and Facebook, but but email is probably the the easiest way. And then my practice is Fusion Integrative Health and Wellness. Uh, They can reach out through the website as well, which is just fusionihw.com.
0: I will include all those links down below this video. Or if you're listening to this audio, I will put all of that in the show notes. So you don't have to worry about a thing and you can just click, click, click and get where you need to go. Um, Dr. Dana, thank you very much for coming on the show today and educating all of us on stem cells and how all of that works and inflammation, just everything. I'm really excited for your next book to come out and, and thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you. I hope you really enjoyed today's episode like I said I will include Dr. Dana's books and all the things she has going on in the show notes today episode 314 I'm going to be doing an ask me anything it's really fun I love the questions y'all ask and episode 315 I'm having my dear friend longtime friend actually we've known each other longer than I've known most humans um, Autumn Smith we're chatting about healing from toxic nutritional beliefs Ooh, this is a good one. Oh, I've had so many questions in regards to this over the last couple of months. I'm really happy to dedicate an entire episode to talking about rules and how they're dumb. <laughs> so I will see you on over there. I hope you have a great rest of your day. <laughs> Bye.